This is Data Podcast. In the ever-changing world of data, this is the podcast packed full of information to keep you right on top of all the developments. From AWS and Azure, through to data science, big data, AI and NoSQL, and everything in between, we cover the essential updates from both a technical and non-technical perspective, including special guests and in-depth interviews. Now, please welcome your hosts, Rajiv Baha and Shabnam Khan, with today's episode of Data Podcast. Todd is a Microsoft Technology Center architect based out of Minneapolis and Minnesota, and is primarily focused on data analytics and IoT scenarios. Todd's background ranges from application development and architecture to implementation of data and analytics solution in the field for many years, as well as work at a Microsoft ISV prior to joining Microsoft. In addition, Todd has authored several books on Microsoft technologies, such as .NET and SharePoint. Welcome to our podcast, Todd. Rajiv, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Great. You know, I read some, somewhere Bill Gates said if he was a fl- fresh college graduate, like this year, artificial intelligence would have been his top field as a, it's something he would do mm-hmm. uh, for a career. And I'm really interested in learning about what Microsoft is doing in the artificial intelligence world. And so can you give, please give us some idea, a picture of how Cortana Intelligence Suite and Azure ML Studio and this new tool called Cognitive Toolkit, how they um, connect with each other? Sure. Um, so I happen to agree with Mr. Gates and his assessment mm-hmm. on, on uh, where uh, it would be good for people to invest their time in education. Mm-hmm. So artificial intelligence and things with data in general are, are just, uh, the possibilities are just starting to show themselves. So it's very exciting. Um, and so we have, what well, Microsoft has been doing research and development in the space for quite some time, going back decades, actually. So as far as the amount of data that we have, so if you start to think about the services that we, we have, so Bing and Xbox and Skype and all these, these services that generate all this data, we're able to now reason over that data and build uh, intelligent models. So... One of the things that we've always done as a company, really, if you start to think about it, if you think of even Office, right? Everyone understands Office. What, mm-hmm. what did Office do? It, it, it um, democratized productivity, mm-hmm. right? And if you think about things like Power BI, right? Yep. We're really bringing things like data to the masses. Mm-hmm. We're really trying to do the same thing with machine learning and AI. And we're doing that in various different ways because um, when you look at deep learning, not everyone's going to be doing deep learning and work and building neural networks based off of data, right? Mm-hmm. But what but what people can do is they can start to take advantage of things that we've done. So when we've trained uh, these very complex image recognition models or uh, speech to text or understanding intent, we can bring these things and wrap them as APIs mm-hmm. and, and show them to users. So we have what we call cognitive APIs, for example, where um, even even now we have custom custom API. So you're able to bring your own images to the service and mm-hmm. say, this is uh, widget A, this is widget B, this is widget C, and provide maybe dozens of examples of what these things are. And then your app can consume uh, the results from these APIs. So no longer do you have to, and we use something called transfer learning, where mm-hmm. we, we take our generalized neural networks that we trained on these millions of images that we have mm-hmm. internally. Yep. And then we allow you to uh, basically apply your own data to that and consume it as an API. So that's one end. And all I have to do to that is to be a developer, right? And how big are those images in general? Uh, how big are the images? So so what's interesting is to train a neural network mm-hmm. from scratch, you need lots of data, lots mm-hmm. of images to do something generalized. But what we can do is we can take the networks that we've created 
and use again use that that technique called transfer learning, mm-hmm. where you can maybe only bring a couple dozen images of a, of a particular class of object that you want to recognize, mm-hmm. uh, and and do that. So that's very easy to do. Coming up with millions of images that's hard. <laughs> Coming up with a couple dozen images that's yep. pretty easy. Anybody can All do right. that, right? So on the other end of that spectrum, you asked about things like Azure ML or Cognitive Toolkit. Mm-hmm. So we have a spectrum of capabilities of of tools where people can come and and build their own models. Uh, I would put, so if you're thinking about a spectrum of capabilities, so on Mm -hmm. one end you have things like the cognitive APIs like I just talked about. Mm -hmm. On the complete other end, you have something like a cognitive toolkit where if if people are familiar with something like TensorFlow, it's very Mm -hmm. similar, right? So we have a capability called cognitive toolkit where it's a deep learning framework that Mm -hmm. you can use to GPUs to train and and, and you can operationalize that on our cloud called Azure, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, to to build out these deep learning models yourself. So if you have those capabilities, if you've had uh, the training and that you understand kind of how to train these algorithms based on the data that you have, mm-hmm. you can build your own models and deploy them so to the Cognitive Toolkit. Is deep learning utilized in image recognition? Is that the kind of application it has? Yes. So okay. deep learning is really good at certain applications, like taking things like images that have a fixed... Uh, have a fixed uh, structure, right? So you mm-hmm. have the pixels and it can start to look for patterns. Same with, it, it's very, it works very similarly with uh, voice uh, and, and audio recognition. Oh, nice. Right, and things like that. So if you start to think about those scenarios, they're very similar in a way that you represent them as data, right? So things like understanding uh, speech to text and mm-hmm. image recognition. This is why we've seen these great advances in the last few years is through uh, techniques of all the data mm-hmm. and all of these deep learning algorithms. So none of this is really the interesting thing around machine learning and, and AI, or at least what we're calling AI today. Mm-hmm. None of it's all that new. Okay. It's just uh, the the tooling and the data and mm-hmm. the compute power that we have in the cloud now today, or, uh, especially with GPUs and things like that for deep learning, is just mm-hmm. what is really is, uh, powering deep learning. That's what's that's why we've really seen these these great advances in in speech recognition and uh, uh, I- image recognition and video analysis. Okay. So, and I'd say right in the middle, you asked about Azure ML. Mm-hmm. Let me touch on that for a second. So, Azure ML is uh, our current in market um, tool. For I would I would put it in the category of citizen data scientist. Okay. Right. So uh, you can take you can actually so if you're a data scientist you're probably using something like R or Python mm-hmm. yep. to do your coding. You can still bring your R and your Python to Azure ML and yep. operationalize it. That's like mm-hmm. the really important thing that it does. Okay. Is it allows you to operationalize mm-hmm. your machine learning work oh, really nice. easily as opposed to because uh, I uh, when I when I talk to customers about the challenges they're having in these spaces. Uh, especially financial services have had mm-hmm. uh, groups of, of analysts for a long time, maybe using tools like SAS, that give answers, right, that, that give reports, but they don't operationalize these models in production um, mm-hmm. traditionally, or at least very easily, right? Okay. So Azure ML is something where I can I can do either bring my R and my Python and operationalize it, or even do drag and drop. That's mm-hmm. where I talk about the citizen data scientist, someone who potentially... Um, pick these skills up mm-hmm. and they can build their machine learning models in a drag and drop way even mm-hmm. and click button push publish as a web service integrate with an application and I believe the SSI's team uh, implemented that uh, UI right yeah so if you if you've used something like SSIS mm-hmm. right we have drag and drop connect it's gonna be a very familiar yep. uh, experience to you mm-hmm. right yeah I uh, I did some tinkering with uh, some of the model uh, and training data set cool and I was like uh, oh felt like SSIS I was like drag and dropping Yes. Component, but they call it something else totally yeah. in their world. And one thing I 
I had a question on Azure ML. Like, well, w- one thing I didn't get to test out was, are you able to schedule job for uh, those data models? So if you want to continuously check if your data model is up to date with current data, sure, can a, you schedule jobs? That's a great question. So as far as, um, maybe are you asking about, can I uh, batch score some data behind the scenes on a regular basis or actually retrain my model? Um, or either Retain one, my model and maybe get different um, charts and graphs and send it out to your end users? Sure, sure. So one of the things you mentioned earlier is something called Cortana Intelligence Suite. So mm-hmm. Cortana Intelligence Suite is a is a way that we can refer to all the data and analytics mm-hmm. uh, capabilities that live inside of our, our platform called okay. Azure. Okay. Um, and the whole idea is not just that we have the ability to do training and output a number or something mm-hmm. like that, but it, it's the ability to operationalize, right, mm-hmm. through a system uh, from end to end. So if I need to go acquire that data from somewhere, I need to bring it from on premises into the cloud, I need to retrain it, mm-hmm. I need to publish that data to an app somewhere, and then I need to maybe have a bot or an application on the front end that's an API. So it's this mm-hmm. end-to-end uh, framework that's needed to truly operationalize these things, and of course all of that has to be secure and scalable, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the idea behind Cortana Intelligence Suite. So uh, your question about, you know, can I schedule some of these jobs and, and retrain or get an idea of and how my model is performing over time and schedule these jobs. Mm-hmm. All of these capabilities that live inside of Cortana Intelligence Suite, and okay. I, I can schedule my jobs this way. So it doesn't exist in Azure ML, but it exists in Azure ML. Uh, uh, yeah, Azure ML would be a component. I like to think of Azure and Cortana mm-hmm. Intelligence Suite as uh, a big block of, or a big uh, pile of Legos, right, that we okay. can start to build out these systems. Mm-hmm. Each thing is going to have its own uh, strengths of okay. what it does. Uh, and then you're going to use these tools to build an end-to-end solution. And we actually, so we actually have something called the Cortana Intelligence Gallery mm-hmm. that will give you the ability to um, pull down templates that we have built. So think pre-built solutions. So okay. prediction of uh, hospital length of stay is one example that we have out there oh, nice. uh, of many, right? So it's mm-hmm. not just about the machine learning model and the visualizations, mm-hmm. but it's about the whole end-to-end scenario about the data acquisition, moving the data into a secure uh, storage location, uh, scoring these things, and getting uh, scheduling these jobs. So these can all be templatized and packaged up as a one push-button solution as mm-hmm. well. So correct me if I'm wrong, they are all tr- three different um, kind of solutions for different kind of uh, scenarios. Is that right? Or, or do they all fall under some sort of umbrella of some sort in Microsoft AI space? Uh, so the three different solutions? Uh, what I'm talking about, like, um, would you use um, Azure ML in a specific way as opposed to Cognitive Talk, as ah. opposed to Cortana Intelligence, Cortana Intelligence Suite? Or, or do they all fall under Cortana, Cortana Intelligence Suite's umbrella? So great question. So one of the things that um, I like to talk about is we have an overall suite of capabilities called Cortana mm-hmm. Intelligence Suite. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have different tools that do a different job for different people, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So um, we have capabilities that would be targeted at, so I mentioned Azure ML would be targeted at like your citizen data scientist. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a term that is okay. And, and, then, and then we have other capabilities like our server, or we even operationalize Spark mm-hmm. uh, and Hadoop as a managed service. Mm-hmm. So if you're more of a traditional data scientist using R, and and Spark and those kinds of things, and you need to scale out, mm-hmm. you would use those tools. So it's really about choosing the right tool for the right job. Okay. But we, we give you the uh, the choice to kind of make there, and I work with customers to help architect solutions to, to, to p- make the right choice. Oh, awesome. Uh, you've helped me uh, get better sense of uh, what uh, Cortana Internet Suite does. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome, sure. All right. Um, 
Now, I uh, noticed uh, there was mention of Microsoft Bot Framework. Um, I'm curious, how does it work and what kind of tasks it can automate? Have you seen any kind of limitations or risk? Or um, one of the things I was also wondering, like, can it take my conversation and execute commands on a remote server? So I'm giving a quite a loaded question. <laughs> sure. So just let me talk about the, the bot framework then. So, um, and what we provide is, the, it's called a framework, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we don't necessarily say, okay, y- we're going to let you write this bot and you can only deploy to this one location. What we what we do as a, as a, as a, from the get-go is we give you a framework to work within and then we allow you to publish your bot and then even from that point, it doesn't really do anything until you publish it to a channel, right? Mm-hmm. So do I want to publish this bot to Skype, for example? Or do I want to publish this bot to Slack or to Microsoft mm-hmm. Teams or, you know, uh, whatever channel where I'm going to reach my user's Facebook Messenger, for example? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's one of the key things around our bot framework is this ability to uh, publish to any channel mm-hmm. and reuse the same bot. Uh, no matter where my users are. So that's number one. And then number two, we are using uh, some of the capabilities I referred to around uh, the cognitive APIs or, or the, the types of machine learning that we've built internally at Microsoft and bringing that to make things easier. So for example, um, we have a capability called uh, LUIS, which is, stands for the Language Understanding Intelligent Service. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> so what this thing does is you teach it commands, you tell it what your application or your bot should be doing. Like mm-hmm. the, the classic example is ordering a pizza. Okay. Right? So I'm going to have my pizza application, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have the intents uh, that my pizza application does, like order a pizza, cancel an order, uh, get an update on an order. I, so I, te- I tell my bot or my, my, my application the types of things that it should be able to do. I give it examples of how people would instantiate that intent, mm-hmm. and then I train it over time. So the other um, thing that makes it interesting is once I put my bot into production, of course I'm going to learn um, you know, how people are actually going to say this. So I might never anticipate how someone might ask to order a pepperoni pizza, mm-hmm. right? But my, my bot is going to tell me, here's what people are actually saying. Here's um, utterances that people made, uh, things, commands people gave that I didn't understand quite well. Mm-hmm. So help me understand better uh, what this actually meant. Mm-hmm. So the bot is actually going to get smarter as it's in production based on real-world use. Okay. So I think that's one of the other things that makes it really interesting. So how does it uh, distinguish let's say 200 plus or like thousands of languages and their accents. Is it good at managing that? So that's a good question, especially as you start to talk about accents and and interacting with your voice. So now Mm -hmm. if you're in a channel where someone's actually just using their voice, maybe with Cortana or something like that, you know, we obviously have to train it for those different uh, geographies of the world to to get different accents because someone's going to talk different in Texas even than in Minnesota, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we're in the same country, uh, in the same time zone, Mm -hmm. we're still going to talk in different ways. So um, that's work that we've done on those, through those APIs as well. Mm -hmm. And we start to think about the data that goes into that and, and, um, you know, how only, I think only a handful of companies on the planet are really positioned to create these APIs that really can understand the differences in dialects and things like that. So, again, these are the piece parts that we've created to make the bot framework and, and the things in Control Intelligence Suite and these, co- these cognitive APIs really, really useful. Mm-hmm. So um, these APIs, you can use them all together, right, to build a bot. So the, the speech API, the language understanding API, and the bot framework. Uh, but you can also use them individually. Uh, so I don't even have to use the bot framework to take advantage of these speech APIs that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Nice. I think in, in a way you did answer this question. Uh, so if I ask you to do something as a customer, like can it execute um, applications or something uh, remotely in some other that you l- uh, limited to? Sure. No, that's a great question. So at the end of the day, 
I'm just using the the bot framework uh, to uh, gather input from a user mm-hmm. uh, on a specific channel. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm writing code, so mm-hmm. I can call out APIs. Mm-hmm. I can do really whatever I want. So okay. I can start to to expose these, you know, maybe even internal old systems like an HR system, for mm-hmm. example, that wouldn't have any clue how to okay. interface with a human with voice, and yep. start to tap into those APIs mm-hmm. and bring some of those functionalities out uh, via again to whatever channel my users are at. Okay. Does that does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Perfect. Um, well, I wish I can make a bot do my SSS project. <laughs> nice. I think that'd be a cool idea. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, you, you're familiar with crowdsourcing, right? Um, sure. And which is defined as the practice of obtaining information or input into the task or project by enlisting the services of large number of people. Sure. And most of the time, it's usually done on the internet or your social network. And some of the useful applications we've seen in like fundraising or um, getting people together for a cause, uh, program organizing. Yeah, you see this uh, a lot. Yep. Now, um, when I was looking at one of your course on Cortana Intelligence Suite in Microsoft Virtual Academy, there was a mention of data catalog oh, yes. doing crowdsourcing. Can you uh, tell us how data catalog in Cortana utilized this concept? So. Um, again, as I work with customers, one of the things that I see is, is data mm-hmm. scientists, what do they need more of? They always need more data, mm-hmm. right? And that data is going to come from all kinds of different places. Mm-hmm. And the data is at all levels of veracity and, and trustworthiness, yep. right? Um, so uh, one of the ways that, that people are starting to address this problem is building out maybe an enterprise data lake, mm-hmm. right? Um, but even aside from building out the lake, you have data everywhere. I always talk to customers about data in the three Ps. Mm -hmm. You have your private data, your your proprietary data, that's one P. Mm -hmm. You have public data and you have paid data. Mm -hmm. And and the other thing to really kind of point out is if you're really going to compete on data, mm-hmm. your internal data is no longer sufficient, mm-hmm. right? To really start to do things like machine learning and understand your customer or the world around you, you need mm-hmm. data from everywhere. Yep. So to get your arms around that, like whether you're building an da- enterprise data lake or whether you're getting your arms around those three Ps that I just mentioned, mm-hmm. doing something like a data catalog where I'm truly, think about like when you went to the library, when you went to the library, I don't know how mm-hmm. old you are, but I remember when I was a little kid, we still had, you know, yeah. the little cards at my school's library and yep. uh, thankfully computers came along and made that a lot easier. But yep. really cataloging everything there, mm-hmm. categorizing it uh, by different topic area. Even think about if you're going to catalog data sets, you want to understand who's the expert of that data set. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some basic profiling qualities of the data set, min, max? What are the columns? What is maybe even a sampling of the data set so I can look at it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how do I gain access to that? Yep. So the data catalog is really that place where people can go. Uh, and this, this is literally a capability we have in Azure called the Azure Data Catalog okay. um, that you can go to and s- do searches and, mm-hmm. and s- try to find things based on different attributes. Um, but it's really taking this crowdsourced approach where, um, you know, everybody in the organization is going to have a different idea or a different set of knowledge around data sets. And they can go and add their own data set, mm-hmm. uh, curate it. Uh, other people can come in and add it. And these things can be tagged and associated with even things like the business glossary, like, you know, the, the business terms, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always a varying level of, of things like, you know, this data set is, you know, uh, qualified as a, you know, trusted IT or data governance 
uh, uh, team associated data set versus this is just some data set that Joe Blow put in, mm -hmm. right? We want to be able to capture all those things, but we also mm -hmm. want to be able to capture uh, the veracity and the, the trustworthiness of that data as the organization sees it. But for the if you have the ability for people to come in and update and augment, I mean, look at what the knowledge we've accumulated on Wikipedia, mm -hmm. right? So again, varying levels of trustworthiness there, mm -hmm. um, but still having that ability for people to come in and annotate and augment and uh, document data sets is, is huge. Mm -hmm. So nice. One of the common scenario in corporate world is uh, customer chart, customer churning. Ah, uh, yes. And I mean, it happens to both for-profit and non-profit enterprises. And I, I was just curious, is it easy to implement a solution in Cortana to discover root cause? And uh, how does that approach, you know, different from building charts in Excel or visualization in Power BI? I mean, I'm, I'm really curious, like, uh, how would you balance when you need Cortana or not? Or when would you utilize, uh, you know, sure. Uh, traditional Which brick and mortar for the job yeah. there. No, that makes sense. And I'll tell you too, customer churn is one that's um, just very popular right now. I mean, everybody's mm -hmm. going to, everybody's trying to understand um, where, what, why their customers behave a certain way or, or what their customer's going to do and how they can get ahead of that and make the right choices. So customer churn is a very relevant, um, I guess, use case right now. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we do, I already mentioned earlier, something called the Cortana Intelligence Gallery. Mm -hmm. So I like to think of this as YouTube for machine learning. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you go out and check out the, the Cortana Intelligence Gallery, there's all kinds of um, models that people have built in Azure ML and even full solutions, right? Mm -hmm. Where I mentioned earlier, we can deploy solution templates that are the end-to-end -end solution. There are actually a bunch of customer churn models that people have published, including Microsoft, to that gallery. Mm -hmm. um, so you can literally go there, search for customer churn, import the model that we've built by working with customers. So we have teams, we have an army of data scientists that all they do mm -hmm. is they, they work with customers. Uh, people from the field like me and my colleagues will elicit their help uh, to come and work with customers to solve certain problems. Customer mm -hmm. churn is one that people have been working on for some time. So we've published uh, these models out to the gallery. You mm -hmm. can import them and, and leverage them inside your application out okay. of the gate, right? Uh, and then we, you know, if, if something you have something maybe a little more um, that you need some more customization on, you can take that model and tweak it mm -hmm. uh, for your needs. So, um, you know, and, and then, like I said, one of the key things that we really... Uh, drive home because it's it's all it's it's about the machine learning it's about the intelligence but it's also about affecting the business process. We make it really easy to integrate into an existing application by exposing out that model as an API. So whether that is something where you're going to build a dashboard, whether you're going to you know um, batch score a bunch of things, batch batch score the list of customers that are going to churn, you build a dashboard. Whether you're going to put that in Tableau or Excel or or hopefully Power BI, mm -hmm. um, you can do that, or you can actually integrate the application. Uh, maybe you're in a call center mm -hmm. and you are doing a customer lookup with the person on the other end and the call center agent can get a customer uh, churn score live right then mm -hmm. based on the types of things that are the problem the customer is calling in about or whatever, uh, making it really, really easy to integrate with existing business process because that's really the important thing. So like uh, this is just a basic question. Like, What kind of uh, churn score do you, uh, in the practice, do you think good, bad, or uh, standard? Um, meaning how would we, um, what is the metric that we're generating to mm -hmm. see if they're going to, so it'd be something like, you know, um, how likely is mm -hmm. this person, uh, 
to churn in a given time period, maybe the okay. next 30 days or the next year, depending mm-hmm. on your use case, right? Because uh, if you're looking at a telco example, mm-hmm. you're probably going to be concerned about a shorter uh, time period. We've ac- we actually use this internally where, mm-hmm. um, with our services. So we have um, something called HD Insight okay. where we operationalize Hadoop and mm-hmm. Spark and, and Storm and uh, things like that as a managed cluster inside of Azure. Mm-hmm. So we use um, a lot of signals coming in from, from customers to see, okay, someone spun up a Hadoop cluster. How likely are they to churn in the next 30 days mm-hmm. so we can get ahead of it and maybe uh, look at the reasons that someone would churn and, mm-hmm. and get ahead of some of those things uh, to and reach out and say, you know, how can we help you? Maybe mm-hmm. we, if we gave you a little more hands-on, maybe you would stick around and, and mm-hmm. keep your data. So, um, and then a lot, of, a lot of things that people are doing too is trying to predict uh, the, um, you know, maybe the lifetime value of a customer to say, okay, this mm-hmm. person's going to churn, but they're also maybe not our optimal t- customer type, mm-hmm. right? Based on the likely value that they're going to, you know, spend with us over time. So mm-hmm. maybe we don't want to spend our time there. You uh-huh. know what I mean? So marrying up the scores with other predicted attributes of a customer to say, you know, this customer is going to churn, but they're not really our core customer anyway. So mm-hmm. we'll just ignore that. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yes, it does. Cool. Completely. Um, uh, can you tell us about uh, the books you have written in .NET? And, uh, um, and I'm also curious where we can uh, get access to your Cortana Intelligence Suite course. Oh, so, yeah. So it's actually been a while since I last wrote a book, and I, I vowed that I would never do it again because it was <laughs> so painful. Um, so I, 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 wrote, I, wrote a, I did write one book on an ancient technology now, uh, mm-hmm. Windows Workflow Foundation. And okay. done that. Not that... Not that the uh, Windows Work Foundation is ancient, but the version I wrote it on is quite ancient at this okay. point. So right. that was a good experience to mm-hmm. kind of get through and, and see what that experience was like. And it was just a lot of work. And it was mm-hmm. I, I found that it, I knew it was something that I wouldn't enjoy doing mm-hmm. many times. So okay. uh, that was interesting. So the other one you asked about was the um, Cortana Intelligence Suite course, the workshop. Yep. Um, a colleague and I uh, recorded a workshop that we put together. We give to customers because mm-hmm. commonly we'll talk to customers about the capabilities that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. And the question will be, how do I get my hands on this? How do I take it to the next step and see the art of the possible? Mm-hmm. So we created a, a one-day workshop. Uh, yep. It's actually out on GitHub. And um, customers can go and access that. Anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also recorded the workshop. And we have a website called uh, Microsoft Virtual Academy. It's accessible at uh, mva.microsoft.com and mm-hmm. our Cortana Intelligence Suite end-to-end workshop mm-hmm. is out there. And so far, last I checked, we've had over 30,000 views, nice. uh, which has been kind of fun for me to see, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how many people are interested in these topics. So, um, yeah, we, we take it from end-to-end. We we actually have a scenario that we do. We want to predict flight delays based mm-hmm. on uh, weather and, and past uh, delay history. That's awesome. And, but not only do we build the model, but like mm-hmm. I said, it's really important. How do we operationalize it? How do we put it in production and make sure that we can affect a business process, right? Because mm-hmm. if you can't do that, if you're just providing a number in a spreadsheet, so what? Right. Mm-hmm. If you can't if you can't operationalize it, then that's really what matters, and that's what we kind of take you through the the interesting, you know, the sexy stuff, the machine learning, but yep. then all the plumbing is important too. That's right. So, how can we connect with you in Twitter or other professional network? Sure. So, um, if you want to get hold of me, I of course I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm also on Twitter. It's at Todd Kitta, T O D D K I T T A. You can find me on there if you want to chat with me or anything like that. Uh, I'm happy to to chat with anybody that's interested in these topics. Great. Thank you, Todd. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Rajiv, I appreciate you reaching out and having me on your show today. This is good stuff. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Data Podcast. You're welcome to follow our hosts on Twitter at Rajiv2k5, at Shabnam Khan 2017, and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Rajiv2k5. 
Our episodes are also available via iTunes, SoundCloud, Google, and other podcasting platforms. Thank you for tuning in.